Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. It's time for the Bard and Park, Forest Park, that is, the 2018 season of the Shakespeare Festival St. Louis. Romeo and Juliet is this season's feature, perhaps the most famous of Shakespeare's plays, perhaps. Joining me in studio are, as of today, Tom Ridgely, the brand-new executive director of Shakespeare Festival St. Louis. Elena Arous is directing this year's production. Thank you so much for being with us, folks. Thank you. It's an exciting time for you. Tom, congratulations to you. Hour three of the first day, right? It is, yeah. You caught me at an exciting time. How how, uh, well familiar are you with what's happening here later this week and next week? Well, I've been getting up to speed quickly. I was out a couple weeks ago for the gala, and I got to check out the first part of the first rehearsal of Romeo and Juliet. And so uh, I've gotten a, a really nice taste of Elena and her vision for this piece, and it's really, really beautiful. So I can't wait to get back in there when they move into the park this week and, and see what's shaking. Elena, I get the impression from what I've read that this is a, a different kind of production from, of Romeo and Juliet. I don't know if I would say different, but I, I think unique perhaps. Um, I would say that what I'm really leaning into is what I think Shakespeare is trying to do, which is to give us an allegory, which is not about, unlike some of his other plays, setting a Romeo and Juliet in a time or place that's really specific. I mean, yes, he set it in Verona, but it's much closer to uh, the British government and uh, British societal rules than it is to anything Italian. So I think what he's really doing is setting up uh, a story which is really... Um, more invested in character and plots. And in that way, I think he has a clear message that he wants to get across and a clear question that he wants his audiences to to think about. And so we're leaning into that question and really playing with why this play for this St. Louis audience at this time. Well, this play, as you indicated, this uh, play can be set anywhere. I think of of West Side Story and the, and the streets of New York. That's Romeo and Juliet all over again. Exactly. And you've got some music in this production. Yeah, I'm really thrilled to be working with the band that I've worked with now. I think this is our seventh production together. And uh, they're this wonderful band that I actually originally met in Omaha, Nebraska when I was working out there. And now it's a combination of some living in Omaha and some living in New York City. And uh, they'll be playing live the whole show. And they're just wonderful musicians. Tom, uh, this is outdoors, obviously. And... uh, St. Louis weather, as we've learned most recently, can be very, very fickle. Um, how much do you worry about that, and how are you prepared to deal with weather if uh, it happens? Well, you know, there's a certain amount of relief when it comes to weather, I think, because that's the one thing that's completely outside of our control. Uh, but it's one of the the joys, I think, of, of free outdoor Shakespeare is that you are plugged in not only into the life of the city, um, and the people that we share this space with, but also with Mother Nature. And so if it's a warm night or a, a muggy night... Oh, or it will be. Yeah, there'll be plenty of those, I'm sure. Uh, or if a little rain starts to fall, then that just sort of makes it that much more of a unique experience. So, uh, you know, the, the festival is a very dogged enterprise, and so it has to be coming down pretty hard for the show to be called. Uh, we like to give people what they showed up for. Do you have much experience in outdoor uh, theater? I've been lucky. I've worked at the New York Shakespeare Festival, uh, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, uh, the Old Globe out in San Diego. So yeah, I've I've had some. I've spent some time, some some muggy summer nights, uh, teching away in an open air theater. Um, but there's really nothing like it. I mean, I know from sitting in those spaces that you never feel quite as involved in the life of the city as you do when you're at one of those performances. Elena, what kind of challenges for you, uh, outdoor theater, uh, in a place like St. Louis? 
Well, um, what I'm really excited about is the amount of audience space, audiences we'll have. Uh, I think on average, sometimes we can get up to 5,000 people in the audience, and the Shakespeare Festival is thinking that we might get up to 6,000. And what's really interesting and always a challenge is that we, especially Romeo and Juliet has these very, very intimate scenes. You think about the balcony scene and these two people falling in love for the first time and they're speaking really quietly because they don't want their parents to hear, Juliet's parents to hear. And so how is it that you create that kind of intimacy, that kind of one-on-one private conversation and yet still hit the back row? And to me, um, as a director and also as an acting teacher, this is something I'm always working on with my actors, is how do you create a private place but triangulate your conversation so you're including the last row into what you're doing. So it's really about quiet voice but big stage presence. Have you been out there at all to do any work on it and on the uh, on the uh, on the hill, as it were? I haven't been out there with the actors. I've been yeah. out there with the designers touring the set and. Um, and we're, tonight we'll start looking at some lighting and seeing how that's coming together. And really, I've just been trying to spend as much time there getting to know where the eye line is from the actor's perspective mm-hmm. to the audience. And what I'm really thrilled about is that the Glen itself has, is kind of like a little bowl that mm-hmm. hugs the audience. And so we've got some, I think, really unique set design work this summer that's going to, I hope, make the audience feel like they're being hugged by the whole production. Mm. You've done uh, opera directing as well, I understand. Yes. How, how, does, how do the two compare? Well, my job, I feel, when I'm directing any kind of play, a modern play, and specifically Shakespeare, is I'm looking to find the musicality of the language. You go to Shakespeare not just to see it, but to really hear it. The images are created by language. Um, the action is all created by language. And yes, you can make it look beautiful, but you've got to be able to hear that language. And so I'm really attuned to and helping the actors compose their language. In opera, it's all composed for you, and you've got a music director to help you with that. But my job is to find the musicality and find the action through that. And I, and I think opera directing has only helped me be able to do that. Tom, there there are some people who kind of back away from Shakespeare. They don't maybe understand it quite so well, and they're a little bit afraid of it. What do you tell folks like that? Well, you got to come out and hear it for yourself. And 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 there's a big difference between Shakespeare rendered, you know, really clearly and um, and really accessibly, and and Shakespeare that, that that's hard to find your way into. And the fact of the matter is, these plays are 400 years old, so that's where the skill comes in. And, and when Elena talks about finding the musicality, it's really about unlocking the the rhythms and uh, and the sort of the scoring that Shakespeare wrote into his plays, so that it hits our ears as clearly and as uh, easily to understand as contemporary speech. And it's possible. And I think they'll hear it if they come out and see it in the park. Elaine, if they've been around for 400 years, something, something must work, correct? <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that a lot of people get turned off easily by Shakespeare either from just reading it. And Shakespeare's really hard to read. It really needs to be spoken out loud. And, and when you see it, you start to realize it's one big action-adventure movie. You know, the, the play is full of these amazing sword fights and these amazing love stories and these intergenerational fights. And you start to realize, oh, it's the, you know, that version of contemporary action and superhero movies. You know, when we talk about Romeo and Juliet or so many of Shakespeare's plays, uh, they've been around for so long and done so many different ways. When you're preparing to direct and work with it, what do you look for in terms of giving it something new? I mean, you've got a garage band involved (laughs) in this one, so there's number one. But you must look for ways to make it a little bit different. 
Yeah, I don't think I necessarily set out to say, okay, how can this one be different? I set out to say, why this play for right now? And that was actually one of the reasons I was most excited to come to St. Louis to do this, because I feel like this is a big story that needs to be told uh, right now across the country, and certainly in many of our cities, and, you know, a city with with the history that St. Louis has had in the past couple weeks or past couple of months, um, you know, the play is really about a divided city. It's mm-hmm. uh, divided uh, by generations of hate. And in fact, what's so interesting about the play is these two families hate each other and they can't actually remember why. It's never specified why they hate each other. They just know it goes so far back that the older men are training the younger men to fight and to fight your enemy. And um, I think what Shakespeare is saying is you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful when you teach hate. And so I'm interested in how does this show look like St. Louis, look like the population of St. Louis, and how is it that the audience can feel um, that they're seeing something that's contemporary? You know, we're not putting actors in very historical clothing where it really looks modern. The music is very modern. The um, the look, the set, the costumes, everything speaks to today. Though, of course, um, <clears throat> they still have swords because swords are really cool. <laughs> I understand what you're saying about St. Louis, and you're absolutely right, but it's much broader than that. I mean, if you look at the country as a whole, exactly. you're seeing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're a very divided government, divided populace right now, and I think what Romeo and Juliet really asks of us is how do we look across whatever divide we're feeling and ask, what do I need from them? What do I have to learn from them? And I think that um, the whole country should be thinking about this. It's certainly not just the city. Tom, is that something you've thought about at all in terms of the relationship between this play and these times? Absolutely. I mean, what what Shakespeare gives us in this play is is just a really incredibly insightful look at at a social dynamic and at what happens when a when a tribal mentality really takes over. And Elena's point is, is spot on in that it has really little to do with any particular issue um, or value that these that these two groups uh, share or don't share. It has to do with the fact that they belong to another group that they don't identify with and that that makes them feel threatened mm-hmm. in some way just by their very presence. And so I think that's something that we feel, you know, as a nation right now, that there is a, there's a half of the nation that belongs to another group that we have a very, very hard time understanding. Um, and we aren't even really sure what the actual issues are. Um, but the labels and the identities that come along with it are, are, are loaded with an incredible amount of emotion. And so um, a play that can give you that and those beautifully intimate balcony scenes that Elena was talking about, and plus this third almost sort of spiritual element where there's some larger force shaping events, these star-crossed lovers, this, you know, this, this father uh, this, uh, trying to, to guide things and, and shape earthly events. Um, it really does give you everything. Yeah. Let me put it to you this way. The role of theater in exploring issues such as the ones we're talking about here today it always has played that kind of a role to a certain degree, hasn't it? It has absolutely. And, and like everything, Shakespeare put it best when he said, you know, the, 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 the point of the theater is now and always has been to hold the mirror as to her oh. up to nature um, and just to sort of reflect it back to us. And I think that's what this play does. It sort of gives us a picture, sort of startlingly, for a play written mm-hmm. 400 years ago, of what's going on right now. Um, and then that will hopefully sort of linger and allow us to be a little more conscious about how we go through our daily lives. 
Elena, do you want to take a stab at that, the role of theater in, in characterizing and identifying and dealing with uh, today's the issues of the day, whenever that day might be? Yeah, absolutely. I think that theater is always asking questions of the audience. And, you know, if you look back to the ancient Greeks, uh, the what you would call today the medical center um, that the Greeks, ancient Greeks would go to happened to be right next door to the theater. And one oftentimes the quote-unquote doctor, you could call them, would say, oh, that's your problem? I'm going to prescribe that you see this play because there was something in that play that that person really needed to see. And I think that um, what's amazing about Romeo and Juliet specifically is that the the issues are not just the big, broader political issues. It's such a play about intergenerational relationships. How is it that um, parents can lose their children? And how is it that um, children... um, feel like who they love or um, how they love isn't necessarily understood by the generations ahead of them. And what's amazing about this play is it's just as much a very intimate family play as it is a bigger, broader conversation about a city. Is it his best play? That's a great question. (laughs) Me, personally, I would think no. No but only because there's some real inconsistencies in the play, which as a director I have to wrestle with, just inconsistencies in terms of time and place and um, just inconsistencies in the characters themselves. But I will say it has some of the most beautiful language. Mm -hmm. When you talk about time and place, are you talking about anachronisms because uh, that they pop up every once in a while in his place. Yeah, anachronisms, but certainly, mm-hmm. right, when um, when Juliet uh, drinks from the vial, she's supposed to sleep for 42 hours, and yet everything that happens is, um, from between then and when she wakes up is really only about 24. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to always sort of remangle the time in some new and interesting ways to make it actually all make sense for a contemporary audience. And how might you do that? Well, uh, we certainly cut the play. You know, the play um, probably, as if you were to read it, uh, reads well into close to four hours, mm. if you were to read the whole thing. And um, as much as I think audiences should hear Shakespeare, I don't know that I want to hear four hours of it. And so we've cut it down to something manageable and really highlighted um, the scenes that speak to those bigger ideas of, of a city that's polarized, the familial relationships, and then certainly love. And, of course, the only way you see love is hate. And, of course, we see hate by these amazing sword fights that um, that actually what I'm interested in is how does it involve the whole cast. They talk about these civil brawls, and so we don't just have two people fighting each other. We actually have the entire cast. How about directing sword fights? I mean, they have to be uh, closely choreographed. They're intensely choreographed for safety, and we're really lucky that we have an amazing fight choreographer who is an expert um, who is in rehearsal with us every single day. And so, you know, I threw out this idea at our first production meeting to say, I want the play to start with the entire cast that has weapons in their hands and the whole cast fights. And I was waiting for somebody to say, that's insane. You can't do that. And our fight choreographer, Paul, just said, of course, I want to do that. That sounds amazing. And because uh, that's what happens when you have a, a riot, right? It's not just two people in the street fighting. It's a whole town. Tom, what would you suggest that people look for when they see a production like this? Not everyone has. It's different. What are the things that the audience new to it uh, should be looking for? 
Well, I think that the great thing about coming to see a production is that the the show will will point you in directions. Um, I mean, obviously, I think it's always fun to sort of look at where you can relate to the story. If, if there's a moment with a with a with with parents that reminds you of a moment with your parents, or if there's a moment you know with the lovers that reminds you of your first love, um, or if there's a moment of high, of conflict that reminds you when when you were at your worst um, and found it hard to be really. Um, understanding of someone else. Um, so certainly there's lots of, for us to notice as far as that goes. But I think what's going to be fun for me and fun for everyone who comes to the park is seeing what Elena reveals and seeing what we're seeing for the first time because this production isn't going to be like the movie or any other production we've seen and it's going to show us new parts of the play and new facets and I think that's going to be really, really cool for all of us. Elena, do you or the cast worry about distractions? I mean, the, a lot of people in the park uh, around the theater if you will, and you've got the municipal opera <laughs> right around the corner. Several thousand people will be uh, there as well. Distractions. I'm hoping that we're going to distract a few other people. <laughs> no, I think that um, there's a real great tradition in summer Shakespeare, and Shakespeare's mm-hmm. really meant to be done outside. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited for what will become a distraction because in the end it becomes part of the play. And for a play about the city, there's no better way than to invite the city to come and sit and picnic and drink their glasses of wine and and sort of be cuddled by the stage, like I said, and to do it within their city, to not enclose them with the walls of a theater, but to say, you get to celebrate the beauty of this park and also the beauty of your own community and watch this great story. You know, we talk about anachronisms. You might you might hear a fire engine siren or something mm-hmm. like that uh, from time to time. Yeah, I think that will fit right in with our <laughs> approach. And, you know, coming from New York City, it's uh, pretty quiet here. Yeah. Tom, uh, the, the Shakespeare Festival is known and has been known for years for its innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're brand new to the job. Maybe this is unfair. But what are, you, what are you thinking about in terms of the future of the festival and, and what you're going to be doing? Well, there's a lot of things, and obviously I am just sort of figuring that out. But the, the two big questions, really the one big question I have is how can we bring this experience, the, the experience that people are going to have in Forest Park in June, and how can we bring that to more and more people in St. Louis? So who are we not reaching? Who's not coming to the park? Who's never going to come to the park? And how do we include them in, in this culture and in this conversation? And I think that goes, you know, definitely to every corner of the city, and it really goes beyond that to the region because St. Louis is obviously the hub of a, of a pretty big area. And I think as arts organizations, it's our responsibility to be in dialogue with them too because when you think about the big divides in this country, that's got to be one of the biggest, right, between the people who live in a, in a vibrant urban space like St. Louis and people who live way far outside of it into a much more or less populated you know, rural area. And so if we can bring those experiences and start getting those two groups talking together around Shakespeare, then, then I'll be really, really happy. Well, not everything that you do is in the park. I mean, there's other things going on at other times of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's a huge educational tour that goes out to dozens of schools in the school, uh, in the city and in the region. And of course, there's Shakespeare in the streets that does go into different neighborhoods uh, far flung from Forest Park. What do you know about St. Louis, uh, Elena, aside from what you learned about Ferguson and some of the some of the split here? Yeah, well, I have family here in St. Louis. Oh, yeah, oh, wonderful. And actually, my father-in-law is from St. Louis. So I've been hearing about St. Louis for quite a long time. I've been to St. Louis before, um, actually, when I was an actor and I was on tour. I spent some time here. And uh, I 
honestly, and I and I am really honest about this, I'm a big NPR fan, and I've been learning a lot about St. Louis by listening to the station um, and, and where I'm staying and also um, in my car on my way to rehearsal every day. And I feel like that's one of the greatest ways, I think, to get to know what people are talking about, what conversations they're having, having and um, what questions people are asking. Well, we're thrilled to hear you say that, 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 <laughs> that, that we're useful to you in that way and Absolutely. more. Absolutely, Tom, less than a minute left. What, what drew you to St. Louis, if you can tell me in less than a minute? Well, I was really looking for an organization that was woven deeply into the fabric of the life of the city. And I think the way the festival has, as you mentioned, uh, established a presence not only in the park but in lots of different areas um, makes me really thrilled by the possibilities of what Shakespeare can do to move the culture and the conversation forward. Well, great success to you. We hope uh, during your time here, congratulations again on the appointment. And uh, Romeo and Juliet, you have preview, preview performances May 30 and 31st, correct? And then you begin for real, if I can put it that way, on June 1st. That's right. Thank you so much for being with us. Great to see you. And as they say, break a leg, Elena. Thank you. Thank, Elena and Tom, thank you so much. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh. <laughs>